Hello all and welcome to another episode of The Athlete's Advocate. I'm your host, Ashel Tack, professional basketball player and published author of my book, The Reality Behind the Glamour of College Athletics. The Athlete's Advocate is a podcast series I started to share stories of athletes that are changing the game, advocating for themselves, daring to challenge the system while changing the status quo. Joining me today is Alex Opetrix, all the way from Australia. Um, how are you, Alex? Yeah, good, thank you. No, I'm doing well. I'm really um, excited to be on the show today and, and talk to you. So, um, no, thanks for having me on. Yeah, awesome. We're so excited to have you on. Out of Australia, Alex was able to get a full basketball scholarship to Furman University, NCAA Division I school in South Carolina, a dream come true for Alex. At Furman, Alex played alongside some of the top 18 to 24-year-olds, including Steph Curry, and we really have to visit that conversation later because <laughs> that's super interesting. Alex graduated and got the opportunity to play at the professional level before it came crashing down two years into his career when he developed a serious knee injury, had two surgeries, and was forced to sit out for at least one and a half years. Alex returned home to Sydney and had no choice but to find a job, and through that journey, Athletes to Business was born. Now, Alex, you know, you originally are from Australia, so how was that journey coming down from Australia to the States? Um, Was there a culture shock? Were you comfortable? Did you have to adapt? Yeah, look, it was um, initially it was a little bit of a culture shock. Um, there's a lot of similar similarities between Australia and, and the US, um, but I feel like uh, S- South Carolina is really that deep South. You know what I mean? Like it's um, and which which it took me a little bit to to adjust to, but then I absolutely loved it. Like I, you know, I was pretty much in the heart of, of the US there, um, which was an awesome cultural experience for me. So it took me a little bit to to adjust to the to the culture, um, but mm-hmm. then yeah, absolutely love it. Like the, the best thing I, I love is, is the food they have down there. I think they call it the Southern hospitality. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. all, all the food. Yeah. Now, now through your basketball journey early on, um, like I mentioned earlier, you've got the opportunity to play against some greats in the game, right? Including Steph Curry. How did that happen? Like, what was that experience like? And you know, and obviously he wasn't the Steph Curry back then as he is now. But how was that? You know, um, how was that journey like for you? And then knowing that he became the Steph Curry, like how is it knowing that you played against him in college? Yeah, look, but once he became Steph Curry, like that was crazy. Like thinking back um, in college, playing against him, I, I never would have envisioned that, and never, not in a million years would have I guessed. Like he, uh, you know, we we I remember talking on the bench when we were playing them for the first time, and we we're thinking he's a great shooter. Um, he might, he might be, you know, undrafted, um, maybe bench player, you know, 12th, 15th man on an NBA roster, but most likely, you know, he'll have a good career in Europe. It may, maybe, um, just mm-hmm. because he was smaller, he wasn't as strong, wasn't really that athletic, um, could, could shoot, could shoot, you know, extraordinarily well. Um, and then, yeah, next minute he just shot up and, you know, his ball handling improved. Um, he probably grew a little bit, um, it just got a little stronger, but I think it's just his tenacity, ferociousness, fearlessness. That's really, I think, that would kind of excel him to to become one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, I think his uh, his journey is a little bit, you know, interesting and, and unique. You know, to go from you know where he was to who he is now, I think it's mm. um, it's amazing. 
Now, you returned home and found yourself lost after your first two professional seasons overseas, um, and you didn't know what you wanted to do, and you felt like you had no skills or confidence outside of basketball to enter the work world. Um, This is quite common, I think, for a lot of athletes in the game right now, Mm. actually. What do you think you could have done differently to put yourself in a better situation than you were during that time? Yeah, so throughout my basketball career, all all I ever did was – play basketball and you know dream of being in the NBA and that's that was my purpose and that's all I ever really lived for I didn't care much about anything outside of, of basketball and it was more like a plan B you know I went, obviously I went to firm University I got an education but that was a plan B and it was always a plan B in my mind I never kind of really applied myself into 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 it as I did into basketball um, and then once I was forced to Going to retire from the professional realm early. It was such such a shock to the system because I'm so used to doing my dream, chasing my dream, doing something I love, something I'm highly passionate about. You know, chasing towards winning championships, being the best player you can. I found it tough to find anything else that I was as passionate about. Now, the first thing to say is I, I could have just you know done something else and not worry about the passion, the dream element. So that that's the first thing I would have done differently because I'm so used to doing something I love. I found it really weird to do something that I didn't love as much or even close to it. So right. that, that the first thing I would have done is just lower my expectations massively. I think that 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 helped, that would have helped. Um, it, obviously, eventually I did. But secondly, uh, you know, I wish I applied myself. You know, I wish I had another plan A. Like, let's be honest, um, you know, not, not everyone's going to be a Steph Curry or whatever, make the NBA and make millions of dollars. So um, even I think in a lot of those athletes, they, you, you should always have an, an, another plan A instead of a B, you know, find something that you're as passionate about as your sport. So I, I wish I did that. I never I never uh, immersed myself into any type of trade or uh, industry or um, a profession or, or interest outside of basketball. Mm-hmm. I, I, wish, I wish I did that. Now, you know, why do you personally think that that's the current situation and problem within the athletic realm? Because it's not, you know, it's not just you and it's not just, you know, other athletes. It's literally everybody in athletics tends to put athletics first, you know, especially Mm -hmm. starting out in high school and then the journey to college and then the pros. Um, And none of us really think about that next step or that step outside of athletics. We don't really think about it until we're faced with it. Why do you think athletes don't really um, think about that and have tunnel vision when it's, you know, um, when it comes to sports, period? I think because you you have to have that tunnel vision to be the best that you can be or or you think you have to have that tunnel vision to be the best that you can be. Like it's, it's obviously, as you know, sport is highly competitive, so... If you're not 100% focused on your craft, on, on bettering yourself within the sport, like you might be left behind. And, you know, I don't have the answer for this, whether if you're focused on other things as well along with your sport. Um, it, it's fu- it's funny, once once I uh, stopped playing professionally and, and after a couple of years when my, when my knees got better, I did go and play semi-professionally. Now, what I'm about to say here might be different because I guess it is semi-professionally, but when I was playing semi-pro, it was still a decent level here in Australia. Like we played against some college players. Obviously, I was a lot older than a lot stronger, but I was applying myself. I actually had a full-time job and I was doing something else at the same time, but that, that's when I, I played really well. Um, I think because 
maybe I didn't put that pressure on myself. I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but I found when I had other things to look forward to outside of basketball, I, it actually made my basketball game better. I, I wonder, I wonder if I had that mentality or if I did that while I was a professional, um, if that would have happened. But yeah, I, th- I think the, to answer your question is because athletes think, and I, whether that's correct or not, I don't know. But to be the best you can be and to compete in your sport, you have to give it your all. You have to give it your 100% effort. Right. Now, you know, I did a little bit of research on you, um, but you um, listed out on your website, you listed out um, a list of things that you wish you would have done better um, and that you tell athletes to kind of pay attention to and do better so they don't make the same mistakes that you did. And one of those things on the list was um, you said that I wish I took university more seriously. What did you mean by that? Because I know you graduated um, with your communications degree, correct, from Furman University? Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, yes. So what, what I mean by that is, I mean, you know, you're, you're a student athlete, but really I was an athlete student. I think a lot of athletes are going with that mentality, you know, sport first, um, studies second, academic second. I, I wish it was really like I was a student athlete, but I wish mentally I was also a student athlete. I never really applied myself properly in class. Um, I, I never took the interest to get to know my teachers a little bit better, you know, ask them what profession do you think would be best for me to enter in the workforce. Um, uh, network, I wish I networked more um, in at university. Hey, what industry professionals should I network with to get me closer to achieving my post-sport goals? Um, mm-hmm. Just doing a little bit extra than just going to class as well, you know, I wish, I wish I did that. And, and, and I wish I took a keen interest on really finding something that I'm highly interested in uh, outside of basketball. And I never really found it. I just kind of coasted. I just coasted through. I, I was I was there. I was just there and, you know, I did the bare minimum to get the grades so I can play. <laughs> Basically right. is what I did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know what? A lot of athletes can definitely identify with that, um, with that statement. Now, would you say that from your experience – would you say that the blame is split between, you know, the athletic department and the athlete? Or would you say that the athlete should take more of that responsibility of, you know, taking their future outside of basketball seriously in regards to their education and taking, you know, uh, accountability in, in that um, aspect? Um, I, I would lean towards more the athlete having more responsibility. I think the athletics department did everything they can. Um you know, study hall. Study hall was a was a must for us. From after training, seven thirty to nine thirty, we had study hall. But you know, I was, I was messing around at study hall instead of you know, study here and there. But um, like, what, what's the saying? You can you can lead a, uh, a a donkey to water, but you can't make it drink the water. Um, like, yeah. So you, I think they had all the processes and systems in place to manage five thousand athletes, however many athletes they have in each school depending on the school, you, you can't just individually make each athlete do everything. They, at, the, at the end of the day, the athletes just got to take responsibility. I mean, and, and, and um, take, yeah, take responsibility for their career, for their education. It's, 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 and if the athletics department did try to take responsibility for each individual person, I mean, I don't, how would you go about that? I don't know. How would you, you – well, you'd, you'd have to employ, I don't know, at least 2,000 – yeah, you'd have to employ two thousand people to manage four thousand people, for example. Like that's tough. Right. So yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely, you know, with your point that you made earlier, I think that a lot of athletes have that tunnel vision of making it pro because, I mean, these athletes are growing up within the sport. You know, you're talking about, you know, five, six years old growing up playing basketball, soccer, football, whatever. And so that's all they know. And that's all that's real that they're really applauded for. And so that's what they focus on, you know, because they want to make it big. But, you know, they tend to forget, like, there's real life out there, you know, and if you don't make it, like you still have to make a living, you still have to have work, you know, you still have to continue life. And they often forget that. And I don't think they motivate themselves as much as they can. I mean, we, we hear about the education fraud, educational fraud that's going out there, you know, going on um, within the different programs around the world, you know, in the States. But I also think that athletes should take the responsibility to take their education seriously, mm. because at the end of the day, it's your education. This is mm. your scholarship, your education, your life. Um, so you should take a hold of that. Now, before we switch over and talk about your journey um, into athletes to business, I wanted to quickly um, kind of mention a quote that you put out there. And you said that um, your biggest lesson that you learned from Furman was how to be emotionally intelligent. That was really intriguing for me because I, I, I just started like curiosity just rose. I'm like, what do you mean emotionally intelligent? Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, great, great question. And it's hard for me to explain emotional intelligence um, and, you know, and, and really define it. But what I mean by that is a high level of self-awareness and awareness of others, so empathy, I mm-hmm. guess, um, like not knowing what to say and, and when to say it. Because like, you deal with, at Furman, you deal with so many different personalities and it's a bit of a cultural school. We had people all around the world actually come to that school and um, also being in class and dealing with, with professors and, and just observing what other, I think subconsciously, you know, I was observing what other people are saying. It's, you know, if someone's in a bad mood, you don't, you don't say certain thing to them. You just, you, you got to notice that that person's in a bad mood and then you say something else and, and, and vice versa. If someone's in a great mood and you want to joke around, great, go for it. Um, that's just a little example of I'm, I'm giving you like practical examples of emotional intelligence. Um, uh, see, seeing things happen before they happen. So how do I how do I explain that? Um, you know, it might be you might be at mm-hmm. what's the word? I, I, I practice and, and you're seeing that I don't know one of your teammates is just not with it today. They just don't have it. There's something going on in their life like that person. He's going to have a bad practice and then coach is going to go off. It's going to put coach in a bad mood and everybody's going to have a bad practice. So you, you, you kind of see that happening and then you walk over to your teammate. Hey, listen, I'm noticing you're feeling a little bit, you know, blah, blah, blah. Hey, let's get through this together. And you kind of help him or her get through that practice. Look, that's emotional intelligence. Um, many other examples. I don't know how to define it, but it's, uh, it's, it's really being aware of other people's feelings and saying the right thing at the right time that's kind of it's not a a very scientific explanation but yeah something along those lines and i think that that helps that helps massively in business i find those that are very emotionally intelligent can do really well in business like knowing when to say and how to say it knowing when to stop um yeah i hope hope that makes sense no it definitely does it definitely does definitely makes sense now you know um as athletes when we're going through a situation of struggle or problem we don't really see the uh 
the end goal. We kind of see where we are and we try to deal with that. Um, and that's what happened to you. You know, you were able to play in three, four countries before injuries really ended your career in Europe. Um, and then you got into a space where you had to think of what was next. And it actually, in my eyes, you know, with everything you're doing now, I think it ended beautifully because of what you're doing now. Um, so what was that journey from being hurt, dealing with that, you know, emotionally, mentally, walking away from the game and then finding um, athletes to business? Yeah, so I walked away from the game and as I said earlier, it was a big emotional struggle for me, um, feelings of, you know, slight depression and just being lost and, and loss of identity. But then that was during the time that I was also rehabbing my knee uh, and uh, I wasn't as in, I wasn't um, a highly successful athlete making a lot of money in Europe, so I still had to pay the bills and you know work. And that's when I was doing rehab and trying to find a job, and I struggled. I didn't know what job I wanted, how to go about job interviews. Uh, you know, I was hired and fired pretty quickly, and also you know hired and quit pretty quickly as well. It was just a bit of a struggle. Um, that went on for about probably uh, a year and a half, maybe two. Once my knee got better, I uh, was lucky enough to get a semi-professional gig here in Australia. So I played mm-hmm. like, like the, the, the G League in, in the US. I, I played uh, that equivalent here in Australia. And you don't get paid enough doing that. So you still have to get a, you know, a part-time job at least. And it just hit me. At that time, I was signed with the club and I said, you know what? I don't want to get a part-time job. I want to get a full-time job because realistically, I was 26 at the time realistically, you know, how many years do I have left of basketball? I don't want to go through what I just went through again. I, I want to develop a proper career. And and so I said, I, I want to get a full-time job. And I got a full-time job mm-hmm. uh, working in, in sales as a sales rep for a local radio station selling radio advertising just through my mm-hmm. networking skills and maybe subconsciously tapping into that emotional intelligence that I developed from college. Um, ended up getting the job and just started doing really well. I started applying myself. I just went for it. I guess when your back was up against the wall and and, and, and knowing the struggle of feeling or, of not loving what I'm doing, I just put that aside for a minute and just started applying myself and utilizing those high-performing habits from sport into this job. Mm-hmm. Started doing really well. Long story short, I ended up staying and playing for that team for three years, not because of basketball, but because of that job. Um uh, that was uh, in a country town outside of uh, Melbourne. I then got uh, promoted to work for the head office in Sydney, which is where I'm from. So that was a great opportunity to come back home. And then I, I did that for another three or six years in total. And that was great because I was coming back home and starting a corporate career. But, uh, but along my journey, I noticed that a lot of other athletes that I've met who have mm-hmm. transitioned into the corporate space tend to tend to be high performers and high achievers in, in sales more specifically. Um, but I also noticed a lot of athletes struggle with that transition like like I did. Um, and then probably four years into my corporate career in Sydney, mm-hmm. I started feeling a little bit um, not as bad as I did initially when I transitioned, but a little bit of like, is this my life for the rest of my life? As in, am I, you know, nine to five desk person, sales job, selling stuff for a company. Yeah, I can make a little bit of money. Great. But it's just not, I, I need a dream. Right. I need something to dream towards. I need, I need something that I'm highly passionate about. Otherwise, you know, what's all this for? Um, and, and yeah, long story short, I came up with the idea of athlete to business. I started it on the side. 
initially did it, did, did it as a side business for two years and then launched into it full time uh, eight months ago. And, and then, you know, w- when I was doing it, I started feeling like I was playing basketball again, that passion, that dream. Every day I wake up, I was excited to go to work because of, of the, the side business. And then, yeah, eventually started doing it full time. And, uh, and, and, and the purpose of the business is, is to essentially help other athletes transition better than I did but also connect athletes mm-hmm. with corporate com- with companies and, and businesses who value that athlete mindset and who can utilize the athlete's high-performance habits. That's, yeah, essentially what it's all about. That's amazing. Now, you know, a lot of athletes um, think that think and believe that they are not cut out for the corporate world. What advice would you um, give those athletes that feel like working isn't for them? Like they – if they're not playing basketball or whatever sport, they feel like they have nothing else to do and they don't want to work. They want to do a 95. They don't want to do anything of that sort. Yeah, I, th- I think it depends on, on on why they don't want to do it. And um, if, if, I'm, if I'm guessing, and, and a lot of athletes I speak to, certainly in, you know, in what I'm doing now, and I was like that as well, the, the nine to five seems boring. It seems, you know, it's, it's not a dead end job because you can make money, especially if you work in, in sales, you can make commission and you can make a good earning. Uh, but again, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's not, it's not really passion. It's not, it's hard to find that, that passion. So I think that's probably why maybe they don't want to. Um, in case someone's thinking that they don't have the skill set or the ability that, you know, scratch that straight away. Our athletes have a tremendous skill set to be highly successful in the corporate space. You just have to apply yourself exactly like mm-hmm. you did playing yourself in your sport. You can do really well. Um, but what I tell athletes, I, I say, you know, use the corporate space as a vessel to find something that you're passionate about uh, you know, or to find another dream. So what I mean by that is go into the corporate space four, five, six, seven years, however long it takes you, but it probably needs to be at least four, three or four years. Learn as much as you can. Be a sponge. Take in everything and at the same time get paid for it. Obviously get paid well as well if you do well. And then once you're ready, you know, you, 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 you've got enough skills, you've got a good network, go and start your own business, you know, start now, start doing a side hustle, dreaming towards something something that you're more passionate about. But you, you can't just jump from, from sport to passion. You've got to, there's a, there's a middle ground there and that's upskilling yourself right. and learning, educating, networking. So that, so I, I said, you know, you use the corporate space as a paid master's degree that goes for about four years. That, that's that's awesome. Advice. Mm. That's great. Now, um, you know, outside of, you know, um, matching athletes with, you know, companies and um, businesses that they can work for and, you know, work with, what other products and services do you provide through athletes to business? Yeah, so um, we provide our career education and upskilling courses which we call another plan a so you know going back to what i was saying earlier i always had another plan i had a plan b but we strongly uh suggest to athletes to find another plan a something that they're as passionate about as their sport so we've created an online program it's all done online which actually which helps athletes find another plan a uh so it's anywhere from Putting together your resume, um, getting into your your mental, and you know what values do you stand for? If you don't know, we help you find your values. Uh, it, it's networking, connecting you with industry professionals, working on your LinkedIn profile, interview skills, communication skills, all those 
those things that athletes would need to be successful in, in something outside of sports. It's a lot of those career education courses that we run. Um, also, in the making at the moment, I'm putting together a specific uh, course on sales. If athletes want to go into mm-hmm. sales, B2B sales or B2C, I'm putting together like a, a, an athlete uh, sales school. Um, so that's kind of what, what, we, what else we're doing. Now, what um, what are some success stories that you've um, been able to um, experience um, working with the athletes that you've been working with, or the athletes that have um, used um, your you know business as a source for them to find um, you know their purposes and mm. careers outside of basketball or sports? Yeah, I've got a, quite a few success stories in placing athletes within companies that they're enjoying, learning, and you know, being able to be in, in, in an environment as an athlete-friendly culture. There, there's quite a few success stories in that. In terms of the career education and another plan A, that, that's just recently been launched. When I say recently, mm-hmm. probably in the last um, two or three months, it took me a while to put that together because it's it's a tough beast to handle that one, the athlete transition coaching and education um, space. Uh, and when I say tough beast to to handle, I mean, as a business, it was just hard for me to 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 figure out how to monetize it. How do I? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I got to put food on the table for my family. You know, I'd love to do the education piece for free, and actually, I was doing it for free while I was while while I was doing it on the side. But once I launched into the business full time, I quickly realized I need to start charging for this. Otherwise, mm-hmm. um, I'll have no business. <laughs> uh, and and <laughs> and the recruitment piece was taking up most of my time. So that's what we struggled. And now, you know, we've got a perfect. Um, uh, cost model behind the business. But some of the success stories, I work with a lot of uh, Olympic athletes and I work with a couple of sailors. Um, one particular guy really wanted to be an engineer and um, get, get an internship with one of the top engineering companies here in Australia. And uh, he went through our Another Plan A course and we helped him put together his LinkedIn profile. We worked on his interview skills and uh, also how to network and approach various different engineering companies and decision makers. And, and long story short, yeah, you got an internship with one of the biggest engineering companies. Uh, it was more, more, more around solar here in Australia. And it's doing really well. And, yeah, his career's taken off. But that's just going to look amazing on his resume. So that, that's just one particular success story. Now, you recently just mentioned LinkedIn, and I, I honestly started using LinkedIn as well, I think, um, end of last year, beginning of this year, and I've seen uh, the power of using LinkedIn t- uh, to connect. Um, but in your opinion and your expertise and experience, what are some benefits for athletes um, to use LinkedIn outside of seeking jobs um, from employers? Yeah, uh, right, outside of seeing jobs for, for employers, that, that's a good question. So that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big one. Um, Networking, networking is, is massive and that's kind of similar to seeking job from employers but not necessarily. Like if, if you have an idea of what profession or industry you want to be involved with, um, I highly suggest for athletes just to reach out to to those professionals in the industry and, and message them on LinkedIn and say, you know, I've, uh, I've been following your profile. Well, thanks for connecting. Um, great to see the success, the success you've had in XYZ industry. Actually, this is something I'm aspiring towards. Would love to know any advice you can give me, or you know, something along those lines. And and, and you'll find people would lo- love to give you advice, especially those that have that have done well or made it made it pretty high in their industry. So that, that's one thing. Like networking is massive. Um, 
The other one is athletes can really grow their personal brand on LinkedIn and share their story, you know, post, connect with people. Uh, what, what I mean by that, you could, you could start a blog on, on LinkedIn and just start posting consistently and that shows your, your written skills. You could also post, it's, it's a professional networking platform, right? So, you know, if you're showcasing your, your written skills, you can also do a vlog on LinkedIn as well, start posting videos about a particular topic or anything, you know, you, you, you'd like to say. That just boosts your personal brand. And, you know, once you are finished with sport, that can almost act as that bit of experience for whatever the company is looking for. Uh, but if you can showcase your written skills, your oral skills, and that just, again, it just boosts your personal brand so much. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that. I've enjoyed using uh, LinkedIn to connect with, you know, a bunch of professionals, especially athletes. There's so many athletes that are on there with different brands. Um, it is so interesting to see all the things that they're doing outside of athletics and the things that they're doing within athletics. So I think that's pretty cool. Now, you know, Alex, this has been a really lovely and fun conversation. Um, and we love everything that you're doing. And I'm so glad someone is occupying this space to help athletes in this way, um, especially the ones that are lost and are looking to transition into something, you know, different once they're done with um, their sports. But before we go, um, what are some projects that you're working on or some things that you're looking to launch soon that we should look out for um, and possibly, you know, tune in to? Yeah, so the one, one big project I'm working on, especially those athletes that want to go into the corporate space uh, within business development, sales, you know, account management, relationship management, I'm launching a sales school specifically for athletes. I think, and certainly, you know, why I mentioned other athletes are successful in sales, and I've been fairly successful in sales throughout my career. It's because athletes have a unique story, very unique story, and people gravitate towards that. Uh, people love to be around athletes, and and I didn't realize this until you know later in my corporate space. But most people dream of being an athlete. You know, want to play college sports or professional or whatnot. Most people, you know, would love to do that. And the fact that you've done it as an athlete, like, that's such an amazing story. And and stories sell. Stories really, really do sell. And and what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm, I teach athletes how to incorporate their story into the sales mm-hmm. pitch. Um, so I think that's that's really powerful. So that that's one thing. It's a it's a sales course that'll go on for six to eight weeks, and I'm also launching an, an online course. Um, and the other thing uh, me and my uh, business coach we've been talking about is uh, launching into the U.S. So <laughs> for all those um, oh. <laughs> uh, corporates in, in, in the U.S., businesses looking to uh, hire high-performing individuals, you know, stay tuned, and same with athletes who are looking to transition into the corporate space. Uh, looking for roles, uh, we yeah we definitely want to launch this business in the US, and we're aiming. So we, we predominantly um, we play in Australia at the moment, but uh, yeah, definitely want to launch into the US probably by May, uh, April, May of, of of next year. So that's going to be exciting. <laughs> that is that's amazing, um, and we wish you the best with that. Now, um, where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Where can they find your services? Um, and products that they're looking to um, network with you and possibly, you know, uh, sign up for any of the uh, products that you uh, provide. Yeah, so if you go to uh, athlete2business.com.au, so it's athlete2business.com.au, uh, on Instagram, at athlete2business, and also LinkedIn, if you just connect with me, Alex Opacic, uh, O-P-A-C-I-C, 
or if you just type in Athlete to Business on LinkedIn, you'll find us. But I'm constantly staying active on social media, um, uh, raising basically I'm, I'm raising the awareness uh, to to businesses and, and corporations of the value that athletes can bring within their business, uh, is, and, and also uh, I post a lot of content about helping athletes with that transition piece. So yeah, feel free to to follow me, get in touch. Uh, anyone need some help with any of what we spoke about? I'd love to to help out. Now, what's one thing you would leave with the listeners before you go? Um, I would imagine obviously a lot of your listeners are athletes. The one, the one thing I would leave is keep chasing your dream. Do the best that you can to make it where you want to make it, whether it's the NBA or, or, or whatnot. But 100% find another plan A. Um, it's good to chase that dream and, and that eagerness to succeed and and, and chasing the dream, that process of doing it uh, will 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 do you so well once you transition into something outside of sport. But but at the end of the day, like less you know, as you know, less than one percent of us make it to the NBA or make it to the big time where we don't have to do anything in terms of we don't have to worry about money after sport. Um, so saying that, find another plan A, find something that you're as passionate and interested about as your sport and start upskilling yourself doing something towards that now you know while, while you're an athlete don't don't, uh, don't wait till you finish it might, might be too late and you might struggle with that transition that that's what happened to me <laughs> so yeah that, that's my advice you know well, you know I definitely agree with um, everything you just said you know thank you again Alex for joining us today and providing your experience your journey your resources and all the things that you're doing within the you know the world of athletics and you know how you're helping athletes we wish you all the best and we'll definitely keep up with you thank you again no thank you so much appreciate it that was that was, uh, that was a lot of fun and um, yeah look uh, look forward to following what what you're doing as well awesome Thank you.